You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we've said quite often that the Paracast is a worldwide radio show. We've talked to people from around the world, Australia. I think we did a New Zealand guest before. And of course, my co-host Jay Randall Murphy is from Calgary, Canada. I'm in Mesa, Arizona. Big deal. Okay, that's one of the, I guess we call them bedroom communities outside of Phoenix, like two towns outside of Phoenix. So that's where we stand. And today we have reached out across the world again and gone 20 hours to the future to talk to Suzanne Hansen in New Zealand. And we had to work a little bit to coordinate this because as you know, as I said, New Zealand is 20 hours ahead of us. What this means, for example, is say we start the show on a Thursday, recording it at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, Arizona Time, Calgary Time, but it's 10 o'clock in the morning in New Zealand, Friday. And I'm going to ask you, first of all, Suzanne, is this a simple-minded question? People accuse me of that, by the way. When you're talking to people around the world, doesn't it get kind of wacky to have to consider the time differences? Yes, it's certainly a bit strange talking to people when we're a day ahead and they're talking about the day before. So it, it does get a little bit mind-bending sometimes. Definitely here to bend your mind. But we wanted to look at how UFO research is done around the world, because people do hear this show around the world. So, Suzanne, you've been doing it for a while. What made you first get interested in UFOs? Did you have a personal experience? Yes, I think there were two catalyst moments in my life that really um, piqued my interest in the subject. The first was when I was eight years old, and uh, my family and our next-door neighbors had a sighting of a UFO over a range of hills some 20 kilometres away from where we lived. It was about 8.30 on a Friday night, and my father had gone outside to shut up the garage and uh, came running back in. It was dark, it was winter, and said, get out on the front terrace and have a look at what's out there above the ranges. So out we all trooped, and um, there hanging over the series of hills was a a horizontal bar bar of light, quite a defined shape in a bright, glaring orange. And um, there was nothing, uh, no natural phenomenon or aircraft in New Zealand that have, could have created a spectacle like that. We watched it over a period of about an hour and a half, you know, just popping in and out of our house to have a look. Yes, it's still there. Uh, notified the neighbours, and um, eventually, about an hour and a half later, it it moved off very slowly, heading down south, down the central North Island of New Zealand, and it was sighted that evening by thousands of people and uh, was reported in our New Zealand national newspaper. So as an eight-year-old child, this was pretty fascinating, hearing the adults talking about flying saucers and UFOs. And it occurred to me when I tried to get to sleep that night that um, something or someone must have been flying it. And I think that really opened up my mind to looking at space and the solar system and trying to find out as much as I could as a child. The next catalyst uh, incident that happened was when I was a young teacher in my first year of teaching as a 20-year-old. And uh, I was returning with my flatmate from um, visiting friends on a quite a remote farm in central North Island. We saw a light appear over some hills, two lights side by side. 
they flicked off and that sort of startled us a bit as we were coming down towards a two and a half K straight from us from the hills. And we thought, well, it must be an agricultural aircraft with its uh, landing lights on coming in to land on a farm. And the reason why we couldn't see them anymore, we thought, was because the aircraft had changed direction. They then appeared um, virtually adjacent to us over the hills and uh, at, at a much closer proximity. That scared the hell out of us because it was so sudden. They disappeared and instantaneously appeared again ahead of us. They flicked off again, and so we were arguing at that point as to what it was. Um, I already had my mind open to the concept of UFOs, so I was saying it's a UFO. My flatmate, who was a scientist, was saying, no, it's a helicopter. But, of course, um, the characteristics just didn't fit a helicopter at all. And then he eventually said, whatever it is, it's coming up behind us. It came over our car, very bright light, uh, a grinding piercing grinding noise that got higher and higher in pitch until it was like an unbearable buzz that went right through your body and the last thing I remember is looking at my flatmate seeing he had dropped his hands from the steering wheel so no one was driving the car and feeling the car being lifted off the ground at that point it was a lovely sunny autumn afternoon and late afternoon and the next thing we knew when we seemed to wake up from something was that it was pitch black, the car hit the road, lights came on and we were at the far end of the straight. So something had removed us from that road for a period of about an hour and a half and put us back down at the end of the straight after dark, after the sun had set. That at the age of 20 catapulted me headlong into UFO sighting research in New Zealand and contact, which was very new and very misunderstood in New Zealand in those days in 1975. So you're now the founder then of UFOCUS in New Zealand, which is a group in New Zealand that dedicates itself to investigating and, and reporting on UFO sightings. Is that Have I got that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, I worked with some veteran, uh, older-aged uh, New Zealand UFO researchers for some years as a young woman and throughout my life. But in 2000, I decided that these groups were just small groups dotted around New Zealand. And I decided that really New Zealand needed um, a nationwide network where we could gather UFO sightings and coordinate them and you know have investigators go out in different areas and investigate the sightings. So I set up a website and set up the group by inviting just as a handful of trusted people that I knew and people who were, you know, astronomers, scientists, air traffic controllers, pilots, etc. So a group that had um, a vested interest in this, shall we say, and they were all very willing to be part of it. Our group consists now of eight private researchers but we have a number of other people around New Zealand who assist us in a variety of ways, including professionals who will help us out in certain situations. So we've built up quite a network of people we communicate with both here and overseas. What has been some of the highlights of the UFOCUS group? Can you give us a couple of uh, really good examples that, uh, of sightings you've investigated? Yeah, sure. Um, one that springs to mind immediately is a sighting by, um, in 2012 by a neuroscientist 
in Auckland. I can't give too many identifying features that might uh, reveal who he is, but he was out fishing uh, for a bit of relaxation late at night at a beach in Northland. And it was about 11.30 at night and he had that strange feeling that you sometimes get when you're on your own in a, in a creepy dark place with waves washing around you. And he felt that he was being watched. So he ignored that feeling because it's a feeling we all get from time to time, but it continued. So he turned around and um, on the beach, you know, a couple of hundred metres behind him, he could see these glowing what appeared to be green eyes. He immediately went into an analytical scientific mode and he estimated, because he knew the beach well, how high they were and how distant they might be and how big the head might be and how big the eyes might be, etc. And he wasn't at all flustered by it. He just watched these two creatures, which the only part of them that was visible was these glowing eyes, moving around on the beach. And he said when they turned sideways, you could see the glow emanating out in front. So it may be that they had some kind of night vision eye covers. I don't know. You know what? Um, we need to break here. And let's continue yeah, sure. the story, okay? This is a fascinating story of a sighting. It is. It, is, it really is. We've got to do our break now, folks. And our guest is Suzanne Hansen with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Offer not valid in all states or where prohibited by law. Loans are subject to lender approval. See website for details. Do you need extra cash to buy gifts or just to pay all those extra bills during the holidays? Well, now you can get cash fast this holiday season with a personal loan for up to $5,000 right from your phone or PC at 79cash.com. How fast can you get your cash? Well, with 79cash.com, our lenders can have your cash at your bank account as soon as tomorrow, regardless of your credit history. Just have a checking account and a regular source of income. Go to 79cash.com and you can get the cash loan you need now. So if you need cash fast this holiday season to buy gifts or pay all those extra bills, go to 79cash.com and get the cash you need. Visit 79cash.com. Type www.79cash.com directly into the address bar. That's 79cash.com. 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 The March of Dimes and HCA Healthcare are committed to the best possible start for every baby. I'm Amy Kasseri, Vice President of HCA Women and Children's Services, where we have the honor of delivering over 200,000 babies a year. 
We partner with the March of Dimes on research and fundraising to help build a brighter future for babies everywhere. So march with us on one of the many HCA teams assembled nationwide. Learn more at marchforbabies.org backslash HCA. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I'm 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Suzanne Hansen was telling us of another sighting, a fascinating detailed sighting. And we had to stop for a piece of business. Suzanne, can you continue, please? Yes, sure. So uh, the scientist, having sighted this, decided that he would just carry on fishing and keep an eye on it. And eventually he saw these lights or eyes, whatever they were, floating upwards where he knew there was a cliff that was inaccessible by road. It was a cliff where you'd have to walk in quite a distance over rough farmland. To his astonishment, a few seconds later, he saw a mass of lights on an object light up in a particular configuration and in particular colours, spinning and rotating on the top of the object, and it lifted off silently with just a slight hum and went past him a 100 metres or so away and became stationary out in front of him over the sea about 300 metres distant. And there the lighting configuration changed and it just hung there, appearing to be looking at him. So at this point, he decided that he was getting afraid of what was happening and he packed up his gear and and left the area. And when he looked back before rounding a point and out of view, he saw that it was still hanging there. So this was quite a, a um, an experience for this neuroscientist whose who's wife is in, works in psychology. It was quite a life-changing incident, and since that time, as happens with many people who've had this kind of close encounter, um, there's been a lot of changes in his life, and he's experienced some quite paranormal-type experiences, etc. So that's one that springs to mind. But of course, 
we have a lot of historic sightings such as the famous Kaikoura lights, which are very well known worldwide. They were recorded on video visually and um, by hundreds of people uh, and were seen on radar. New Zealand has a very wide and and rich amount of sightings. We have nearly 10,000 in our archive, which is quite phenomenal for such a small country in a remote part of the world. Most people are familiar with the basic story, but I was surprised to find that people kept investigating afterwards for years and that things started to surface. Like you were saying, there were radar reports and multiple witnesses and so on. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that just to update our audience on how that went down? Right. Well, um, uh, historically, I'll give you a little bit of information first. Um, In 1978 through to around about 80, there was a worldwide UFO flap and uh, New Zealand was involved in that too in, in that we had some phenomenal sightings happening here as were happening right around the globe. And at that time, we'd had um, a terrific amount of sightings up a remote valley called the Waimata Valley near the city of Gisborne on our east coast. And I happened to be living and teaching in that area, in a remote area at the time. And that's when I had a lot of the experiences that I describe in the book that I've written. But right in the middle of this uh, this flat that was centred around uh, Gisborne, we had the Kaikoura lights, stunning Kaikoura light sightings that began happening further south over the Kaikoura area through to across the Cook Strait to Wellington. And hundreds of people saw these as they did um, saw sea sightings up in Gisborne. But um, there were two nights in mid-December and then late December when, when these uh, lights were seen by the pilots of carrier aircraft in New Zealand, cargo aircraft. We're talking about lights that came right in around the aircraft, circled around them, flew off their wing, um, flew ahead of them, flew behind them. So it wasn't as the government of the day tried to depict it, and that is they, they came up with some unusual explanations for it, such as the lights of squid boats, the international squid boats shining on the clouds and reflecting off clouds. They said that this is what the pilots saw. Um, They described it as lights of the city reflecting off uh, flocks of mutton birds flying south. This was just really insulting to the hundreds of people in New Zealand who had seen these phenomenal lights that couldn't be explained. But when these pilots came up with uh, with their sightings and the air traffic controllers saw it in a control centre on radar in Christchurch and Wellington, it became a little bit harder for the government and the the MOD of the day to explain. So there was a huge whitewash that went on. Um, They called in scientists who gave all sorts of explanations. Some of them obviously in league with the government at the time, and they tried to whitewash the whole affair. However, the pilots really stuck to their guns and and, uh, the film crew that was on board one of the aircraft uh, that filmed these lights publicised those that footage, and that went worldwide. So the disinformation campaign that took place in New Zealand really divided society, and I think to a certain extent that still exists in New Zealand in a lot of ways in terms of people's attitudes towards sightings. They're either thorough believers of it because they have witnessed things themselves, 
or they go along with the explanations given by the authorities at the time. But it's interesting that one of the air traffic controllers, John Cordy, who's now in his 80s, is actually one of my um, investigators in UFOCS NZ and one of our aviation consultants. One of the criticisms that's been made internationally about this sighting, these sightings was that the radar was faulty and John swears black and blue it was not. It had been checked the day before and as he said, his position as chief air traffic controller would have been on the line if he'd been running um, a, a faulty radar for any length of time. So even to this day, we see um, programs on National Geographic, etc., like Ancient Aliens, Invasion Earth, saying that the Kaikoura lights were caused by faulty radar, but this is certainly not the case. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a reasonable explanation when there were multiple radar returns on these objects at the same time that they were being observed in the positions described by the radar by the pilots in the aircraft. That's right. They appeared on the aircraft radar as well as ground radar. Exactly. And at one point, uh, I found this to be really quite a good point, is that one of the pilots during an interview said that they could not have been just something up in the sky far away like Venus because he could see the object between his aircraft and the ground. That's right. Yes. And moving. So it's not like it, it that rules out any sort of uh, astronomical object right there. That's right, but um but even so the the uh, astronomers of the day initially tried to say that it was Venus. Of course that was very quickly discounted. But um I think there was a lot of fear um with the Air Force and the MOD here. Um, about what it was and the fact that they didn't know what it was and couldn't really adequately explain it. Um, I think there was quite a bit of fear involved and um, in our research that's ongoing into the Kaikoura Lights, we see that there was some uh, American influence from uh, military influence as well. Let's break here. I want to ask about the American influence in secrecy around the world. Gene Randall, Suzanne, you're in The Paracast. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the purest for you and your family. For over 14 years, thousands have depended on Berkey Clean Water. The Berkey Guy has you covered at home, work, and on the go with water filtration systems of every size for every budget. Now, GCN listeners receive 10% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN at GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. 
America's 45th president leads the nation in grieving for the 41st. Surrounded by family, George H.W. Bush died on Friday night at his home in Houston. When he ran for the GOP presidential nomination in 1980, he was said to have one of the most impressive resumes in politics. Congressman from Texas, UN ambassador, envoy to China, the head of the Republican Party, and the director of the CIA. Though he lost to Ronald Reagan, he was asked to join the ticket. George Bush was the candidate for vice president. He served as a loyal vice president for eight years before becoming the 41st president in 1989. I, George Herbert Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. George H.W. Bush was 94. You're listening to USA Radio News. The following update is for drivers who pay too much for car insurance due to DUIs, DWIs, tickets, or anything else. Our company specializes in low-cost SR22 auto insurance. We know that mistakes happen and offer free quotes for very affordable auto insurance meant specifically for you, the overpaying high-risk driver. The quote is free and we'll handle the filing so you can start saving money. Call 800-758-0725. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. <sighs> Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280 now. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so you did bring up an important point here, Suzanne, and something that we've long wondered about, which is we know about the U.S. policy of denying that UFOs represent spaceships or even a threat to our national security. And you mentioned here something about the influence. So are the Americans persuading other countries around the world to keep a lid on this? Well, this is, um, this is only my opinion, but I think to some extent, yes. And our research shows that there are, were people in New Zealand who were um, visited in later years by U.S. representatives 
that some discussion did take place about the UFO problem in inverted commas. And we actually have a woman here in New Zealand whose father was well up in the aviation in New Zealand uh, who actually has given us a video statement. We haven't publicised it yet because she's actually writing a book um, and we're letting her do that. She has come to us with the fact that um, that her father was part of meetings that took place with visiting American officials to do with this UFO problem. So um, I think New Zealand's history of UFO sightings was always one where there was great public interest and there was even interest from the authorities and attempts to give explanations for it. But when the Kaikoura lights came along, and it was such a visible sighting in terms of the footage that went worldwide and the radar returns. The conversations between the air traffic controllers and the pilots describing what they were seeing, etc. The evidence was so big that it wouldn't surprise me that it generated interest from the US, who were obviously um, trying to keep the lid on things in their own country. Now, New Zealand, uh, the MOD there, also investigated uh, UFO reports, at, at least that's my understanding, because on your website, which is really uh, quite a good website, actually, very well laid out and, and easy to follow, it says here that in 2010, they began uh, releasing previously classified files on New Zealand UFO sightings. How has that worked out for you? Have they continued to release them? And have you found some intriguing cases in the files? Well, in um, late 2008, we decided at UFOCUS NZ to begin lobbying the Chief of Defence at that time to just get some discussion going about uh, the possibility of releasing files such as other Commonwealth countries, Australia, Canada and the UK had done. I began a series of letters to and from between the Chief of Defence and myself discussing this issue and he indicated initially that he would like to see some kind of limited release happen as had happened in the UK. This obviously was discussed at, at higher levels over a period of time. And then I received in late 2009 a letter from him saying that this would take place the following year, that they were being um, redacted and looked at and, and finalised. So they, the first release was in 2010, just before Christmas, and the second in March 2011. It's 15 files in all. Most of the material in the files is about sightings that, that are already well publicised in New Zealand, like the Moorland sighting, the Kaikoura lights, etc. Some of the, the more stunning pilot sightings that happened earlier on. Uh, the rest of them are mainly memos or internal communications. However, we went through the files with a fine-toothed comb when they first came out and we were given a complimentary copy. And we found, to our astonishment, that there were over 90 pilot sightings, memos about pilot sightings in there that had never been investigated. The, the memos had just been filed. Or if they had been investigated, the investigation outcomes were not in the files. So we know that there is clearly an intelligence file with sightings that probably may never be released because we have indications of those sightings and some of the witness testimony on our files in our archive, but they did not appear in MOD files. But we also know through witness testimony that the Air Force over the years investigated a lot of uh, civilian sightings 
and told the witnesses they would keep quiet about it and not go to the media. If they did, the Air Force would deny any knowledge of it. And we have some of those testimonies in our archive. And those sightings were not in the files either, just a memo making a reference to them through the police or, or whatever body um, initially made contact with the witnesses. So some of the files will come out in about 50 years' time. Uh, another lot will come out. I won't be around then, but maybe someone will be who will be interested in looking at those that historic data. The MOD says they're no longer collecting sightings, um, but we're not too sure about that. I think they would be very foolish to be ignoring some of the things that are seen in New Zealand skies that the general public sees and cannot explain. Most of these sightings that I've run across uh, in New Zealand, they've been uh, at night and they consist of just sort of vague lights off in the distance. Are there any sightings that involve something more well-defined, <laughs> a clearly defined craft of some type, for example, yes. uh, or daylight sighting? Yes, there's a lot of sightings like that, but um, on our particular website, you're more likely to find some of those sightings in the on the articles page where we've written about those sightings in full. If we look at the Moreland sighting in the late 50s, a farmer's wife went out early in the morning to milk the cows and bring the cows in, and um, she was suddenly crossing a paddock and was suddenly surrounded by kind of a green light and looked up and saw a craft coming down. She ran to the tree line and hid, and was able to observe a small metallic craft uh, land uh, floating above the ground with two occupants with silver suits on, etc. So that was a very well-documented uh, sighting that was actually investigated by the Air Force, publicised and is in the files. But there have been an, a number of other sightings as well, daylight sightings. For example, the, uh, the neuroscientist I spoke about earlier has also had a daylight sighting um, associated with the person who was with him at the time was put somehow into a switched off state where he stopped talking. He became like a statue, completely still. So he didn't witness any of it, but the scientists did. And that's a very common thing that happens. Um, I've seen daylight sightings myself during the Gisborne UFO flap in the late 70s. And there's numerous other sightings that have happened in New Zealand of, of daylight sightings, particularly around the time of the Kaikoura lights and the Gisborne flap. Do we see sightings diminishing in recent years, or is the level the same? What do you have to say about that? Um, well, there's been some research done on this by Cheryl Costa in the States, um, who says that sightings have diminished. But in our... Um, I think that partly it's actually the reporting of those sightings that has diminished because we have found that we've had fewer sightings reported to us in, say, the last two years. And we think the reason for this is social media and um, YouTube, etc., where people um, have a sighting and they immediately shout out about it on Facebook, YouTube or wherever. Um, they put their footage up there and they are not so often going to groups like our own and others worldwide that want to look at it, look at, go and take photographs of the area, look at the surroundings, look at what was happening in the area and really look deeply into whether it was a UFO sighting or whether it could be explained in some other way. Uh, so I, I think that people are more blasé about the subject. It's become much more commonplace. It's not 
quite the sort of fun factor subject that it used to be. And I think that that sightings at the moment are a little quiet, but this is a natural cycle. And Cheryl Costa in the States, who does research into um, sighting statistics, would agree with us that uh, we have these cycles whereby it seems we are visited by something and we see a lot of craft and unusual aerial phenomenon and then it tapers off and then it's quiet for a while. We're going to be quiet for a while while we wait for these announcements. With Suzanne and Randall and Jean, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. 
What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today and save $10 on the Bug Beam Laser Combo, only at BugAssault.com. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. So, here's where we're going here. The cycle of UFO sightings. We have the flaps where they come in waves, and then we have the ebb before there's another flow. Now, over the years, Suzanne, researchers tried to find five-year cycles, seven-year cycles, things like that. And what happens is, as soon as you find a cycle that appears to work, it stops working. So, have you done any better? No, um, we haven't done any research into the cycles. We're just aware that it does happen. And I mean, I've been in this for 44 years, almost 45 years now. And I have seen this wave pattern happening with with the sightings. I also, looking ahead as an experiencer myself as well, I also think that this is closely aligned to what is happening on our planet as well. And I, I think that there is quite a lot of observation going on, but perhaps by extraterrestrial species, but, but perhaps less involvement um, in our skies. But nevertheless, I think we are still being observed. Now, New Zealand has a number of volcanoes and it's had earthquakes and uh, a recent guest we had on uh, from california talked about what he saw and called them earth lights the earth light phenomena and i'm sure you're aware of those couldn't a number of these lights at night perhaps be generated by some sort of volcanic or tectonic or natural uh, volcanic activity somehow Well, the earth lights or earthquake lights, as we call them here, um, are quite different. And certainly in 2010, when we had, and and 11, when we had our very tragic uh, earthquakes here in New Zealand, and a lot of people lost their lives and their homes, people were reporting seeing shimmering colored lights, like almost like uh, the northern lights, shimmering across the sky. And that's very different from the reports that we started getting 10 days before the earthquake even occurred. And the reports that we were getting were of clear lights in configuration, so 
um, on an object, or circular circles of lights or lights in triangular formations, etc., um, that were clearly on an object because they weren't splitting and moving apart. So we got things that were hovering in certain places, etc., that later turned out to be the new fault line areas that they discovered after the earthquakes occurred. So these reports started coming in 10 days beforehand. We didn't know what was happening because we were getting quite a few reports from the Christchurch areas and north of Christchurch. So um, we just sat on them and decided, as we do with a lot of the sightings, that we wouldn't publicise them until we got a better idea of what was occurring and what we were looking at here. And also, um, because we don't want copycat sightings happening, we often withhold something that looks as if it might be of particular interest. So we withheld those sightings, and 10 days later we had the first of the massive earthquakes, and then following um, we had other terrible aftershocks, one of them being an extremely severe one that, that killed uh, a lot of people. So we weren't talking about shimmering lights across the sky. We were talking about configurations of lights that moved and hovered, etc. And uh, we never publicised those and still haven't. Uh, they are just simply on file because we felt that the people who were involved in the earthquakes in those areas had enough stress and enough to face without the thought of something in the sky that might be affecting them or watching them as well. So those were never publicised, but we, we have them for researchers to look at if they wish to. That's really interesting. Uh, how have things been since the earthquakes? Have you guys recovered pretty well now and are things back to normal? In some ways it is, but really the rebuild in the Christchurch area is still carrying on. Um, there are still a lot of buildings that haven't been rebuilt and may never be rebuilt. And there are still people who are um, suffering greatly because their homes were damaged. Some have not received insurance payouts for a variety of reasons. And a lot of the builders from overseas who were brought in to work on a project, not all, but there are some sectors of the building industry that have done very poor jobs. And so now people have been traumatized twice because their home is substandard. I'm sorry to hear that. Returning now to the topic of unidentified flying objects, it seems that it's as if they had foreknowledge that these earthquakes were going to take place and were uh, observing the area. I mean, one might assume that or draw or extrapolate from that. What, what's your impression of that? Uh, definitely. That's, this is an area of research and interest that you folks NZ has, as well as our leaning towards aviation sightings, we also lean towards sightings that occur around the time of seismic and volcanic activity here. And we have a signed agreement of cooperation with CEFAA, which is a Chilean um, UFO military government and aviation group um, that also studies this the same phenomena of lights around about the time of seismic and volcanic activity. And certainly we get a lot of uh, reports around about this time. And I can give you another example of uh, we were contacted by a hunter and a policeman who had been out hunting at night um, in the central North Island plateau where, the, where our main volcanoes are. Um, and they had seen some lights um, that they thought was someone camping out in the middle of nowhere. And as they came over the hill in their vehicle with a large hunting spotlight, their spotlight shone on what appeared to be a UFO that was landed. Um, it 
very quickly lit up with orange lights around its perimeter and took off completely silently, flew across in front of them completely silently and was gone at speed. And within days of that, in that same area, we had um, Mount Ruapehu, which is one of our volcanoes, spilled its crater lake into a big lahar that came, a black, black lahar that came down the mountainside. We had another of the volcanoes after 83 years of being quiet. So there was a lot happening at that time. And we had White Island, our island volcano, rumbling off the east coast as well. So um, there's this very definite and clear indication that someone is watching the seismic activity on our planet. Very interesting. So there's a correlation there then between UFO sightings and, and volcanic activity and earthquakes. And you've taken some time to actually separate out what you feel are the natural explanations from these other more unexplained ones, the ones that appear to be some sort of an alien craft or alien involvement. Yes, that's correct. And I think it's important to do that and to have clarity on that and be able to to describe the differences. For example, the experience I talked about earlier where a light came over my car and lifted the car off the road, I wrote about that experience years ago and sort of put it out there to see what would come back in. And I had a scientist in New Zealand contact me and say, that was just ball lightning that came down and touched your car and, and left again. But, of course, it wasn't ball lightning because ball lightning wouldn't have caused me to lose an hour and a half's time and suddenly sort of wake up in my car and it's, um, it's pitch black after being sunny. So although you send scientists sometimes the full details for them to consider as their research, it's amazing how they can conveniently ignore some of the details you've given them in favour of what their theory is. So what does a scientist say when you tell them you had an episode of missing time, that you had a blackout or something? And it's just some kind of psychological or physiological problem? Uh, they didn't say anything. They just came back and said it was ball lightning. So uh, ball lightning doesn't cause missing time. One wouldn't normally think so anyway. I suppose, you know, we could start to stretch the boundaries of psychology and say, well, perhaps it put you, you into a fugue state where you didn't realize what was going on and you know, kept on driving the car in this state that you later came out of. And, and these types of states have been well documented. And something like uh, the, an EM field from ball lightning could conceivably be a causal factor if you believe some of the research that Persinger does or has done here in Canada. So, I mean, it's, it's a stretch, but it's possible. Well, it's definitely a stretch in this case because um, the straight that we were on was two and a half k's long and it wouldn't have taken us an hour and a half in a fugue state just to drive two and a half, k, uh, two and a half k's so that it went from late afternoon sunshine to pitch black. But also, of course, when I heard somewhere in my mind, I heard this terrific bang and it was like I was waking up and at that point the car was floating. You could feel a flotation. There was no wheels on the road rumbling over our very rutted and potholed country roads. It was flotation and the car was silent. There was no motor going. My hair was blowing all around because I actually had had my window down at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a cliffhanger. And we're going to talk about this incident in a moment with Gene, Randall and Suzanne. You're in the Paracast. 
for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager. Hotline now, 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Sorry to have to break up the story, but you're in the car, the window is down, your hair is blowing, and what? Okay, so um, there's a feeling of flotation. There's complete silence from my flatmate, who's obviously sitting in the driver's seat. And um, then there's a terrific impact as the car hits the road. And at that point, as it hit the road, don't ask me how, but the motor started and the lights came on. And many experiencers have experienced the car being lifted off the road can describe the same phenomenon. And we were at the far end of the strait, a very close proximity to a one-way bridge. My um, flatmate, the car was revving and he was swearing and cursing and fighting with the gear lever and the brakes and we were slewing all over the road trying to bring it and he was trying to bring it under control before we hit that one-way bridge. We felt sick, we had headaches, our hands were clammy Our mouths were completely dry, like something had sucked all the moisture out of them, and we could barely speak intelligently, and the fear and the trauma of suddenly hitting the road in the car, having the motor start on you, and you don't know where you are. It's pitch black. What the hell is going on here? How do we get across the bridge? Where are we? What's happened? All of these questions were running through our mind, and we were shouting them at each other. 
And that shouting went on for some time because it was such a traumatic and confusing situation. Did you uh, have the car examined or see a doctor afterwards yourselves to see if you could determine if there was any trace evidence? No. When we got back to the flat, the flatmates, other flatmates said to us, well, where have you been? You know, you're really late. Your tea's ruined in the oven. He didn't want to talk about it because his scientific mind had been traumatized. He could not explain this any more than I could. But I was wanting to explain it. I was wanting to ask questions and see what he had to say and compare it to what I was thinking. But he did not want that. He stormed off into his room. It became a real standoff for days and weeks. He didn't have the car examined. And certainly in 1975 New Zealand, as a young teacher, there was no way that I, I or he were going to go to a doctor and talk about such an incident. That would just be unthinkable in New Zealand life in those days. Nothing was done except the the arguing over what it could have been. In the end, he acknowledged that he could not explain it in his scientific mind and therefore it was preferable for him to try to shut it out. And if I kept talking about it, he wasn't able to shut it out and get on with his life. Eventually, um, he left the flat and I lost contact with him. That's too bad. And it it almost seems ironic in a way. You would think that someone with a scientific mind, the first thing they'd want to do is do analysis using critical thinking and scientific tools, have the car looked at by a mechanic, look for evidence, that sort of thing. To completely deny that it happened is irrational. It's completely unscientific. Actually, it's not irrational. It's the very common response from people of all walks of life who've had an incident like that because we're talking about your rational mind being taken over by a terrific trauma. So really, we're talking about post-traumatic stress here, which is going to override that post-traumatic stress symptoms is, is going to override your rational and logical thinking. And any psychologist or counsellor will be able to tell you that. And the fact that he, in his scientific mind, could not find a scientific answer made him feel inadequate, made him feel very insecure. And so his very natural human response was to try to shut it out, pretend to himself that it didn't happen. And um, and that's a very common response by many people who experience something in the paranormal or UFO range, shall we say. And that covers everything from ghosts to you name it. New Zealand is also surrounded by ocean. There is talk of underwater bases down there. We had a fellow who was writing me letters who said that he'd heard of where one of these bases were and decided that he was going to hire a boat and go out and have a look. That was the last I ever heard of him. That leads into, of course, the USOs or unidentified submerged up objects. Can you tell us a bit about some of the cases there that you've investigated? There's a very well-known one, a sighting that was made in the late 60s by a New Zealand National Airways, New Zealand National Airways Corporation airline pilot in New Zealand here called Bruce Cathy, who's very well known worldwide for the books he's written on harmonics and the grid system that he claimed UFOs followed. And Bruce was flying over the Kaipara Harbour and he looked out his window of his aircraft and saw what he thought was a submarine, a small submarine in the harbour. And he made some checks being being an airline pilot he had access to 
certain avenues and um, was assured by the Navy, etc., the military, that no such thing was in the Kaipara Harbour and that it would be too difficult for something to negotiate the channels in the harbour anyway. He assumes that that was actually a submerged object that had actually come down from the air and gone into the harbour and was concealed underwater. But we've also had sightings from, say, for example, the area that I live in here in the Bay of Plenty. Um, I have a, a friend who lives on a clifftop overlooking the harbour, Tauranga Harbour here, which is a very large harbour with some quite deep areas in it and channels. She and her husband late at night saw some red and white flashing lights coming in from a distance. They watched it and eventually it went into the water below them from their clifftop view and they were able to see the lights continuing along the channel underwater for quite some distance before they lost sight of it. And my uncle was fishing on um, Tauranga Harbour that would have been in the early 60s. He and his friend saw a light approaching, uh, getting bigger and bigger until they were in panic state because they thought whatever it was that was coming down was going to smash their dinghy to pieces and land on them. And several hundred metres away, they saw a disc-shaped UFO slice neatly into the harbour water and disappear without making a ripple. That's pretty amazing. Whatever technology they've got, it seems to be still far in advance of anything that we've got. I don't know of any type of craft that we make that can do that sort of thing. Uh, the closest I can think of is maybe submarine-launched ballistic missiles that can come up out of the water and take off at a high rate of speed and move. But to fly along and, and go into the water? In a controlled way without making any ripples, that's amazing. We had a, a cargo ship crew member report to us some years ago, and he was up around the Pacific Islands in a cargo ship at the time and saw a large craft come down. It paced the ship for a while. This was a, ver a historic report that he put in, and then they saw it slice neatly into the water. Same thing, no ripple. And uh, we have a uh, retired 747 airline pilot called George Richardson in New Zealand. And he was flying across the Pacific to LA in, in an Air New Zealand aircraft some years ago. And he had a cigar-shaped object approaching at night. They saw the light coming and um, it was coming closer and closer. He and the pilot decided that they were all going to die, that within seconds it was probably going to impact or that the aircraft would be flipped by the shockwave from whatever this object was. They frantically radioed other airports in the Pacific to see what they had on radar, and they said there's nothing up there, no planes up there at the moment except you guys. This thing, cigar-shaped without wings or tail, crossed in front of them. It had uh, very glary bright windows on it. They thought, well, we're gone, the shockwave will flip us and kill us. And there was no shockwaves whatsoever, and they carried on on their journey. That's an absolutely amazing story. The fellow that I was getting correspondence from down there who said he was off to try and find this base uh, was traveling out between Taranga and Mayer Island. And by the sound of it, there's been quite a few sightings out there. Is, is that a region that is known for uh, underwater UFOs or, for that matter, any UFOs? Yes, that's, uh, that's the area that I live in. Um, so I'm only two minutes from the harbour here and definitely that area is very well known for sightings. 
More to come with Suzanne Jean and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken? It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com, use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. Offer now valid in all states or where prohibited by law. Loans are subject to lender approval. See website for details. Do you need extra cash to buy gifts or just to pay all those extra bills during the holidays? Well, now you can get cash fast this holiday season with a personal loan for up to $5,000 right from your phone or PC at 79cash.com. How fast can you get your cash? Well, with 79cash.com, our lenders can have your cash at your bank account as soon as tomorrow, regardless of your credit history. Just have a checking account and a regular source of income go to 79cash.com and you can get the cash loan you need now so if you need cash fast this holiday season to buy gifts or pay all those extra bills go to 79cash.com and get the cash you need visit 79cash.com type www.79cash.com directly into the address bar that's 79cash.com 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 By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. What if people always acted the same way they do when they're driving their cars? Good morning, Mrs. Blanchard. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check. Sure. I'll just get my pen Come here on, and... lady. Get a move oh, on. Goodness. Where'd you learn to bank anyway? Oh. Whoa, don't you give me that look. It sure wouldn't be a very friendly place. What kind of candy do you want, sweetie? This. No, no, no. This. Pick something already. Come on, honey. We're holding people up. How about this kind? No. What is the matter with you people? If you're not going to do something, I am. Get out of my way. <laughs> Every day, drivers and their families all across the country are killed on the roadways because of road rage. Boys, did a beautiful wedding. Oh, yes, and they make such a lovely couple. Excuse me, is this the receiving line? Yes, it is. Hey, he cut in line. I'm a friend of the bride. Do you know the Hey, now, you cut in line. Buzz off. Oh, yeah? He hit that nice man. That'll teach you to cut in line, you jerk. Stop the senselessness of road rage. It's time we all drive with the same courtesy we extend to people in the rest of our lives. A message from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today.
Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Well, I want to get into your book, Suzanne, a little bit later okay. in the show, and I know you want to talk about that. So let's cover this case and a few others first. Go ahead, please. One of the other cases that's just come to mind here, uh, looking at your site, is the one that happened in uh, Antarctica, where a, a UFO actually came up through the ice. Can you tell us about some of that for our audience? I don't know a lot about the Antarctica sightings, um, but, a, but certainly there's a lot of people around talking about what's happening in Antarctica and the fact that certain areas are now closed off, that not many people are going to particular areas. And if anything is happening down there, as a lot of conspiracy theorists say, then um, I would consider that there might be some considerable concern about the fact that a lot of the, the ice sheets are starting to collapse off Antarctica and that there is volcanic generated heat that is warming the underside of a lot of the ice sheets so that they say, scientists are saying that the ice sheets are virtually floating on a small portion of melted water. I think that we need to be keeping an eye on what is happening down there because similar as the North Pole, whatever is happening at the poles is ultimately going to affect us in terms of climate change and, uh, and water levels. Let me ask you a quick question here when you mention climate change. As you know, particularly here in the United States, a number of people disbelieve climate change. They say, oh, it's just the normal climate cycles. How do people react to that in your country? Well, I think it doesn't really matter whether it's normal climate cycles or not. The climate is still changing, whatever the cause. We have to to do whatever we can to manage that or to prepare for that. Certainly in New Zealand, climate change is very obvious here. For example, we get water spouts, etc., which we never used to get, and that they're becoming more commonplace, ripping roofs off houses, etc. But also parts of our coastline is being uh, ripped away quite dramatically, and we're losing quite a bit of land. So. We're getting a lot more flooding and a lot more drought times, and this is reflected also over in our nearest neighbour, Australia. At the moment, at the beginning of summer, they've got heavy snowfalls in some places, they've got flooding in others, and they've got bushfires in others. So down here in this part of the Pacific, um, it's very clear that the climate is undergoing massive shifts. And I think of small Pacific islands like Kiribati, we're at high tide and in cyclones, they are basically up to their knees in water because their small atolls are covered with seawater and their fresh water is scarce and their houses are now up on stilts. And eventually they will probably have to be repatriated to Australia or New Zealand. So we definitely are seeing the patterns of weather and the seasons change here. On your website, you've got a number of sightings by officials 
uh, not simply just pilots uh, and civilian pilots, but police as well. Would you care to cover one of your uh, high-profile stories from one of those for our audience? Uh, sure. We'll start with a policeman who was uh, an investigator for us for a while before he moved away, and he was actually playing in, in a band, um, practicing in a band at a park in Auckland City, and he looked up and saw an object in the sky that appeared to have like a, a long pipe, flexible pipe trailing from it. Um, it was witnessed by another member of the band and then it quickly disappeared. That was an unexplainable thing. It certainly wasn't an aircraft. It was silent. Um, it was moving in a manner that couldn't possibly have been um, an aircraft. So that was a pilot sighting. But the one I mentioned before by the air traffic controller who passed away several years ago, my right-hand man in Ufocus NZ, he had a sighting from a control tower and that was just two minutes after the fisherman and, uh, and it appeared over the other side of the ranges and uh, was sighted from a control tower. He went public on that, and that's uh, in 1995, and that's how I first met Graham Opie. And um, he decided that he would like to join you folks NZ as an investigator, even though he was employed at the time as the senior air traffic controller at one of our biggest airports. So he had to speak to civil aviation, to his bosses, and see how they felt about that. And they said, that's fine, go for it. And so he did. So um, I think he was probably one of the first, if not the only at the time, air traffic controller actively involved in investigating UFO sightings for a civilian group. So with all of these UFO sightings and craft coming in and out of the water, it suggests that there there could be some kind of a base down there or that the area is kind of a hotspot, so to speak. Would you consider New Zealand to be a UFO hotspot? Well, I would consider it to have a very large uh, amount of sightings, good, credible sightings. Uh, we've got lots of lights in the sky sightings, as you mentioned before, just lights in the sky that could be anything but we do have that really solid base of um, some quite stunning, well-documented uh, well sightings that have far more detail to them than that. So we are a very far away country. We're one of the most southern nations, islands in the world, um, not that far from Antarctica. So um, it stands to reason, I guess, that if someone is coming in from somewhere else in space, uh, they're going to look for a place to go or to base themselves or to to do things that, uh, that may not attract too much attention globally. Um, why we have such a, a variety of sightings, I don't know, um, but maybe that's one thing to think about. And, of course, um, we are also an island nation surrounded by sea. We have uh, volcanoes and we have seismic activity so that could be another reason why we are such a good little place to study i guess another aspect i'd like to touch on if you've got some information about it is that the maori people there uh of course have been there for longer than anyone else is there a tradition or folklore among them or, or native uh stories do they tell about ufos in their culture Yes, they do. Um, Maori history is 
usually orally recorded, although some of it has been um, printed in books now, of course. But um, it, they had an oral tradition where stories were passed down, um, and a lot of their mythology and stories uh, contain reference to the sky people, um, people coming down and uh, providing them with particular information. Uh, for example, kind of information they talk about is the fact that they knew well before telescopes were even invented in the Western world, Māori knew that the Pleiades system had seven, uh, seven planets, uh, seven uh, stars, whereas um, only six or five or six are visible with the naked eye looking at the night sky, but they knew that there were seven. We're going to pursue this further, Suzanne, in our next segment with Jean and Randall and Suzanne. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and Fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. Former President George H.W. Bush has died in Texas. He was 94. The 41st president had battled a series of illnesses in recent years, bronchitis, Parkinson's, pneumonia, and sepsis, with numerous hospitalizations. But the biggest blow came on April 17th, when he lost his wife Barbara after 73 years of marriage. As a young Navy pilot, Bush's plane was shot down and he had to bail out over the Pacific. As a far older man, he would jump from planes again to celebrate his 80th, 85th, and 90th birthdays. He was asked why he still skydives. It feels good. There's an exhilaration. It sends a message all around the globe that just because you're an old guy, you don't have to sit around drooling in the corner. Get out and do something. Get out and enjoy life. You're listening to USA Radio News. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. I went from being able to work 14, 16 hours a day with no problem to where I could barely walk a block to the store. I went on to the phytonutrients about six months ago, and within a couple of months, my medical doctor had cut my prescriptions down in a, a little bit smaller dosage. The next time I went back, a month later, I walked into the doctor's office and he says, My gosh, what's happened to you? You don't even look like the same person. He looked at my legs and the swelling had gone down. My blood pressure was down. The venous stasis ulcers that I had had on my legs for the last four or five years because of the poor circulation were all healed, and I'm feeling far better. When you call, use discount code USA. 
and we'll take 35% off your first month's order and ship it to you free. Call 800-246-8751. That's 1-800-246-8751 or go online to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we're going in now into the legends of ancient astronauts, which can be contentious, interesting, and I presume then that you believe, Suzanne, that Alien visitors have been here for as long as we have recorded history? I personally believe that, yes. I think we're seeing more and more evidence of that. And certainly in Maori history, we do see um, the oral history and mythology has makes reference uh, quite often to the sky people who come down and uh, provided them with knowledge, um, bought them what they called baskets of knowledge, we know that Māori knew that there were seven stars in a Pleiades system long before telescopes were invented and the Western world was able to see that there were actually seven when previously that we'd only could see five or six with the naked eye. Um, a lot of their carvings, which is another way that Māori record their history, um, also depict the universal spirals and um, celestial beings and celestial references. I know we had a biblical scholar of Judaic history, David Halpern. And David Halpern is a retired professor. And he was saying that whatever we interpret now, things happened then, but you can't necessarily say that E.T. visited us. But then we look at the entire thing here. If E.T. visited us as described in biblical passages, does that mean they were responsible for the creation or genetic manipulation of the human race to make us what we are, for better or worse? Well, that's one possibility that a lot of people are looking at. And um, certainly in New Zealand here, we have um, one Maori tribe called the Waitaha. They claim to be different from the rest of the tribes in New Zealand, and they claim um, celestial origins. So uh, they have a, a very broad history of, um, of knowledge that has come from somewhere else. 
So um, I think that these are all mysteries of our world and our civilization that we have yet to uncover. Very interesting. And you have now moving out into the fringe a little more, your experiences of missing time, you've gone on to investigate that in the against the backdrop of uh, some hypnotic regression in order to try and find out what's happened to you during some of your missing time. Can you tell us a little bit about some of that research? I'll just correct you there. I actually started um, after the incident that happened that I described before on the Lonely Country Road. I had several more experiences of missing time. I didn't have any regressions at that time because um, there was a lot of controversy around regression, and there still is to some extent, although a lot more psychologists, etc., are coming on board with it now. But um, back in those days, there was nothing really available in New Zealand, and we had um, John Mack and Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, who were all very well-known in the States, but not so well-known here. But information did filter through that, you know, there was controversy surrounding what they were doing with regressions, etc. And so um, I, I began to have very vivid and clear and extensive memories of these contacts. Um, so we're talking about conscious memory of actually seeming to wake up and I'm standing in the hallway of my home and there are, you know, there are greys in the hallway and there's some kind of telepathic conversation going on. I'm in a slightly altered, relaxed state. But the next day I would remember these things clearly. And so as years went by, I got more and more information and was able to describe technology and um, telepathic communications and activities that were taking board, taking place on board craft. And I documented all this and I began public speaking about it. So I have the DVDs and old videos of my speeches where I'm talking about this information. And it was like 20 or 30 years before I finally decided that I would um, look at some of the missing time experiences where I couldn't remember what, what took place and find out what was happening within those. So you're depending on hypnotic regression to recover memories? The vast majority of my memories are actual memories that I recalled things the next day or when I woke up. And it was many, many years before I decided to investigate some of the incidents where I could only remember a little bit at the beginning or the end or the middle and I didn't know what had happened in between. I had no memory of that. Those are the ones that I began to investigate with hypnotherapy. So you remember some of it the next day, and some incidents you don't, and you go to a hypnotist. Now, was this hypnotist somebody who worked with UFO abductees or just a general psychologist? Whom? I have been to I have been to three um, at Dr. Rudy Schill's request. I have worked with three hypnotherapists, and um, and I don't reveal who they are at their request. So, right. were these individuals at all familiar with abductions before they worked with you? Um, two of them were. One was not. Just returning briefly to back before you started to uh, look into the hypnotic regression to get some further insights into your experiences, 
I'm still a little bit unclear about how much of these experiences were experienced while you were in a fully aware conscious state that you were able to recall and remember immediately after it happened, as opposed to, say, waking up the next day and sort of thinking something happened the day before. Well, quite often, um, I, after you've been returned to your home, as many experiences and abductees talk about, um, quite often I would I would go to sleep because that's what they do. They put you into this uh, uh, sleep state, or they induce a a relaxation relaxed state, which I describe in my book. Um, that where you all you want to do is go to sleep. And um, but sometimes I would wake soon after that and have full memory. At other times, I, I would not recall until the morning. But I do describe um, one ex- uh, an experience in my book where I woke up some hours later, probably only three or four hours later, and knew that something had happened, but couldn't remember the details of what had happened. But but um, knew that something had happened, and that was one for a variety of reasons, and that was one of the ones that I investigated. But um, I think to understand this, what I refer to as the altered state, um, it's very difficult to explain clearly in a few words, I would. Oh, okay. Um, So I could talk for quite a long time on this issue of the altered state. So um, I have been in experiences where I've, I've come, slipped out of the altered state um, this issue of old, altered state, um, sometimes you can slip out of the altered state and it's when you slip out of the altered state, you have conscious uh, recall and you have conscious awareness of where you are and what's going on and that can happen on board a craft or it can happen while you're being transported to and from. We'll pursue that and her book. In our next segment, I want to remind you if you go to plus.thepowercast.com, you'll learn all about the other radio show we do, the after the Paracast podcast exclusively for subscribers and the version of this show, which is free of the network ads, go to plus.theparacast.com for more information. Once again, prices start at just $1.49 a week. Our price, cheap. As you know, the After the Paracast podcast can consist of color commentary, but sometimes, sometimes it serves as part two of the regular episode. As you notice, Suzanne is beginning to explore her personal experiences, and we've asked her to return on After the Paracast this weekend to further explore those experiences. So this is a great time to sign up as a member. Jean, Suzanne, and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the purest for you and your family. For over 14 years, thousands have depended on Berkey Clean Water. The Berkey Guy has you covered at home, work, and on the go. With water filtration systems of every size for every budget, now GCN listeners receive 10% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN at GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today and save $10 on the Bug Beam Laser Combo, only at BugAssault.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 hunters anglers campers and survivalists get back to nature expand your horizons with the highest quality most versatile unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98 they're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool feel the thrill only at slingbow.com This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Suzanne, we have Randall, we have Gene trying to explore 
her experiences, possible contacts with alien visitors. So they look alien to you, Suzanne. Therefore, you presume that's what you're seeing is what you're getting. Not just uh, based on what I'm seeing, but based on the environments that I've been in, uh, in their craft, etc. So what I'm hearing then is that there's a, a real spectrum of experience for you that, that ranges all the way from uh, repressed memories, for lack of a better term, to ones that uh, are fully conscious where you're completely aware of what's going on. To ones that have just been recalled from from the day before that you don't recall at the time. What I'd like to know is if you've ever had a continuous experience where you've seen a craft without being in in any altered state whatsoever, gone aboard that craft uh, in a fully conscious state, remembering everything that's going on, and then uh, exited the craft completely aware of your experiences the whole time without any interrupted lapses of consciousness. No, I don't think um, I don't think I know anyone worldwide who's done that. That is just not in the continuum of the procedure that they tend to use. And I'd just like to reverse something you said. The vast majority of my my memories are memories that I have recalled the next day without any regression. It's only in the later years that I decided to investigate some of those missing time or missing memories. Um, but I have whole experiences that I can describe from beginning to end in terms of actually being on the craft and arriving on the craft, but not always the, the getting there and the coming back because that's more likely the place that you are in a switched off altered state or switched off altogether to facilitate quick movement of people, lots of people over long distances. Okay, so you're presuming here that who or whatever is transporting you has certain processes in which they engage. Did you ever consider here that maybe part of that is because you're mostly unconscious or partly unconscious, and maybe that's what you perceive that's not quite there? No. When you're taken on the craft, we're talking about at any one time, they're taking hundreds or thousands of people on craft. In order to do the pickups, if I can put it that way, picking up a number of humans here and there and transporting them somewhere to a larger craft, there's very crucial time limits here. And I say that in my book that they're very officious. They carry carry this out like clockwork. And part of that is that they switch you off often or put you in an altered, relaxed state where you often don't remember that part of the journey. So you get there, and when you get there, you then uh, go into what I call a very elevated state of awareness. And this is always encouraged when you've been going on the craft since early childhood, as I have. This is encouraged that you raise up your your consciousness, you strengthen up your aura or whatever you, however you like to describe it so that you can interact with them in a meaningful way. And once you get on the craft, if you have been doing this for a long time, it's like a second home. There's no fear involved in it for me and, and I can do things, be involved in things on the craft uh, which I describe in my book and in speeches and um, and then you go through that process of winding down uh, which I've discussed at length with Dr. Rudy Schild who contributed to my book 
where once again you are sometimes exposed to a humming sound and a temperature change and uh, a slight slowing down of the metabolism so that you feel sleepy and then you're very easy to transport quickly back again through a number of procedures to get you back to your home from from wherever that craft is. So we're talking about procedures that are very clear, that run like clockwork. There's not often hiccups, there occasionally are, but um, but it's very well managed and orchestrated. So from your perspective then, if I'm, and you'll have to forgive me here because this is all really, it's interesting to me, but it's it's hard for me to get into perspective because of the nature of it. If I were to say it's like going to sleep and then waking up in a different place, only this different place is on a craft. And when you wake up, it's just like you would have woken up in your bedroom. You're fully conscious, but you're in a completely different place. And then you go about having a set of experiences there. And then you, once again, you fall asleep and you wake up back in your bed. And during the transitionary periods from wakefulness to sleep and sleep to wakefulness there's this sort of altered consciousness state so there's this full spectrum from sleep to fully awake to back to sleep no i wouldn't call it sleep actually Uh, experiences talk about being put to sleep but in actual fact you're not put to sleep you're put into an altered state of awareness it's something that uh, experiences understand between each other and and can associate with but very difficult to put into words when we're dealing about something that isn't a normal thing for us in our civilization and our society um, it's very difficult to explain to someone outside of the field or outside of the contact you are not asleep as such so you don't fall down and you know you're lying down on the floor curled up in a fetal position fast asleep it's not like that it's simply that your awareness is dulled or lulled in some way so that you're not necessarily aware of the passing of time as we know it and you are are moving along with what is it what is expected of you that they can communicate with you in this state you can communicate with them but it's like there is a shortening of time is one way i can put it where you are traveling where you are taken somewhere and then it's like time starts again in a different manner once you're on board the craft. So okay, in each one of these cases here, you're assuming this is a physical encounter with some alien organization or whatever that they pick out large numbers of people. And we're going to ask how much. They take them aboard the spacecraft, thousands of people. I've heard millions you feel this is all real. It's not something that you've experienced that is solely in your mind. No, definitely not. And um, have you read my book? I haven't. Okay. Well, if you'd read my book, you probably wouldn't be asking these questions or you'd be asking them differently because um, in my book, I just I have ex- um, approached my experiences in the same investigative way that I would approach um, a UFO sighting. I have spent decades looking into some of those experiences, going to the places where it happened, talking to the locals who live there, seeing what they've seen or witnessed or whatever. And um, some of those experiences that I had involved ground markings. Um, There's a part of my book that is called Circles in the Mud, where um, a community member has given me a signed statement 
of what she witnessed in association with a contact that I had where I was taken on board a craft that had landed in the estuary um, near my home. So I've got a lot of um, information and corroboration in my book about my experiences, which would very quickly disprove any assertion that it's purely in my head. More specifically, the the speech that I did in February this year at the UFO Congress in Phoenix was about the technology that I have witnessed on board craft for decades. And um, much of that technology at the time when I began speaking about my memories in 1997 onwards through to the um, early 2000s, that technology sounded, when I described it, like magic. It sounded like, you know, something out of a sci-fi movie. But I felt this burning commitment to talk about it. And, of course, years later, I have realized why that is. Because within the last 10 or 12 years, much of that advanced technology I talked about, which we had no awareness of and had not invented at that time, has come into being or is slowly coming into being or is in the early stages of coming into being in our own technology, in our own civilization now. So tell me, how could I have known and been able to describe extremely advanced forms of technology that we are now only inventing ourselves back then. And I've got a string of scientists at the moment from around the world who are questioning me, talking to me, offering me material, offering me their research and even their PowerPoint images um, in support of what I am saying. So I think there's a lot more scientists out there who are interested in what's happening in the UFO field and the contact field than we realize. Let's break it here. We've got more to come with Suzanne, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts UP77 to 88988. At 4imprint, 
We make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting UP77 to 88988. That's UP77 to 88988. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. An important point of reference here, that you're saying here that a lot of scientists do have real, genuine interests in the abduction scenario. And I understand why maybe a lot of them would not want to get involved. Have they given you any insights into what is going on beyond what you've experienced? Well, um, I have communicated with some scientists who um, are working in laboratories, uh, research laboratories at universities, particularly in the States. Those laboratories are backed by DARPA. So it may be that some of the technology they're they're using will be in some they're developing will be in some way used by the military or weaponized in some way. I don't know, but um, some of the scientists who've approached me are happy for their names to be known because they're simply interested. Others have asked not to be revealed, and I will not do that. Um, I certainly would not reveal their identity, but some have provided me with information and others with, as I said, PowerPoints that I can, uh, of technology being developed that I can use in my speeches. I have received threats um, since doing my technology speeches in in the recent year or so. I have been intimidated and um, and I, so I gather that somebody doesn't want to know that perhaps some of this technology um, may have originated from somewhere else or the ideas behind it have been provided from somewhere else. I don't know the answers to that. I'm just a civilian who's experienced things that, um, that were not invented yet at that time. Okay, the threats. What kind of threats are they? Well, over the years, in association with my work as a sighting researcher in New Zealand, I've had anonymous phone calls, I've had my house watched, and that wasn't my imagination because my neighbours on either side actually came and told us we're concerned because we've seen this guy watching your house, and when we approached him, he just drove away. So um, we've had this kind of thing happening. Um, I have been intimidated when I have spoken on Australia. In my book, I describe one particular incident at the old UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada, where I was questioned and threatened and told to come home and never speak about this stuff again. And um, and again, I had an unpleasant experience at the UFO Congress in February, where I was um, singled out in a corridor at night when there was no one else around, and I was questioned about the technology by two guys who claimed to have a background in intelligence. You realize that this to sort of your mainstream ufologist is sounding like it's out there on the fringe. I find it very interesting. I'm not saying that what you experienced didn't happen, but it sounds exceptional. Do you, in your own mind, do you think it adds up to something in particular? What's this all about? 
to you? It's not exceptional at all. Um, there's a, there's numerous people in the UFO field who um, who have experienced this, uh, and the I, d I disagree that the mainstream ufologists would find this fringe at all. The mainstream ufologist is used to hearing this sort of thing. This is what happens. Well, we're used to hearing it, but it doesn't necessarily happen to us. I mean, I've been interested in ufology since I was a child. I've had my own sightings, but and I've had missing time. But I don't have clear recollections of being abducted. I've had no threats made against me. Uh, the, the extent of the stories that you're talking about are are much greater than anything I've had, or for that matter, quite a few of the other people in the field that I know of. And not only have I heard their stories and uh, listened to the pretty much all the same stuff you do, I mean, your story sounds to me to be uh, definitely out there on the fringe. It's, it's quite unique. It's very interesting. I'd like to know more about it. And I'd like to know, so, you know, if, if in your mind you feel that there are a whole bunch of other UFO people that have been uh, singled out for these experiences, what does it add up to in your mind then? Well, I write a whole book about this, um, about the agenda that I outline as I have been told about this agenda since I was an eight-year-old child by the ETs on the craft, and I outline this in my book in detail, what this long-term agenda is and, um, and uh, how people are involved in it. So, um, you know, my experiences I don't see as being out of the norm at all. I speak to thousands of people worldwide, and I'm sure you do too with your radio programs, and I'm sure there's many people within the field who can uh, report this kind of intimidation, report this, report this kind of tailing, or you know, um, Patty Greer, for example, is one. Sherry Wild is another. There's just an endless string of people like myself who are speaking out about these issues, um, who have been threatened or who have had their health affected. Is that now the people who are threatening you? They seem to be the Earth-based types. So we're not talking about MIB aliens that are saying, uh, don't talk about this, uh, you never had this sighting, uh, enough is enough. You feel that the, the people who are giving you the hard time are more terrestrial-based by the sounds of it. Well, so far, that has been my experience. And so th the idea then is that they must know sort of what's going on as well, but they don't want you talking about it. But from your perspective, the alien contacts then, they are telling you about things. And have they communicated to you that it's sort of your duty or a mission to inform the rest of us as a, in a contactee-like manner? Or is this just something you're reporting that has happened to you as part of your experiences that you're taking it upon yourself to write books about and tell us about? Well, I've only written the one book, and that was um, that was a culmination of many years of research and investigation into my own experiences and um, and into the the concepts that the ETs have talked to groups of humans that I have been in over the years. And there's plenty of other experiencers who report similar information. 
So it's not as if I'm alone out there speaking my own truth. Um, this is a; these are truths that are expressed by many experiencers and abductees worldwide. Right, but uh, have you been assigned by the aliens themselves to spread this knowledge, or is it just something you've chosen to volunteer to us, so to speak? Well, in my book, I describe um, you know the the process that that I believe we go through as a soul, where we accept certain tasks or responsibilities or lessons or things that we want to learn or do on this planet, and and I sincerely believe that um you know working in this field and uh speaking about my experiences is one of the things that i not only want to do but i feel um pushed to do by myself by my own inner truth and inner self okay that that's good but it's not like the aliens themselves have said uh suzanne you are now to go and spread this knowledge uh you know to the four corners of the earth so to speak no, I'm not an alien missionary. I'm a human being who's had some unusual experiences, as have many other people, and I have chosen to investigate them and speak about them. Once again, let me remind you that Suzanne Hansen is not finishing up on the Paracast. She's going to stay over so she can be a guest on After the Paracast with more information about her paranormal encounters as. Randall and I try to get more information on it. You can get after the Paracast only if you're a subscriber to the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. And remember, you also get a version of this show free of the network ads. How about that? So the people on YouTube who always complain about ads, that's the answer. Prices started just $1.49 each week. And we offer monthly five-year and lifetime packages. Once again, go to plus.theparacast.com for more info. We're going to continue with Randall and Suzanne and Jean to cover what may be the mission of E.T. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Heart-related health problems affect millions of people each year. Maybe you're one of the many who suffer from issues related to angina pain, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, or clogged arteries. There is a solution that doesn't involve expensive prescription drugs that only mask the problem and leave you with horrible side effects. If you are ready to live your life free of sickness, pain, and fear, live your life with increased vitality, energy, and youthfulness, and experience your body healing itself, 
yourself, then you're ready for heart and body extract from Healthy Hearts Club. Here is what one satisfied customer had to say about heart and body extract regarding his angina pain. I haven't had an angina pain since I've been on it. The heart body extract is just so great. I thank God that I was led to this product that's doing so much for me and that can do so much for other people. Call to order your two-month supply of heart and body extract today. Call 1-866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Suzanne, wanted to go over this with regard to what you regard as the mission of ET. You're, I don't use you're that guessing this or what? No, I don't use that expression, the mission of ET. Okay, the question I have also, and we raised it before, you're being abducted with thousands of other people. Why do they need so many people? What are they doing with you? Uh, well, I don't refer to my experiences as abduction because I don't feel that I went against my will. That is the result of, of many years of researching this and looking and in, investigating my experiences. Um, so I prefer to call it contact that I have had rather than abduction. I think that they've probably been studying mankind for centuries, if not um, thousands of years. I think we have got reached a point in our civilization, as my good friend Robert Salas talks about with our nuclear capability, where we are a danger to us um, and to other species that may inhabit areas around us. 
and and I think that that is one of the major reasons that they're here at this time and that many people are taken on board for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, if they're going to assist a civilization from within, as I discuss in my book, they're not coming down to save us or tell us what to do or anything like that, in my opinion, but it's only my opinion. I think that they're trying to help us through the the uh, agenda that I outline um, by helping us from within. So they're assisting us to assist ourselves. This is common among contact claims that ETs are here to help us rather than to harm us. But we see all this stuff going on in the world. We have global warming, which we mentioned before, and people die as a result of those severe weather conditions, like in Puerto Rico. Some 3,000 people died because of the weather <laughs> conditions. We have the conflict in Yemen killing tens of thousands of people, Syria, all this stuff going on. But the people who have the contacts, as far as we know, are not decision makers. They're regular people. So if ET is so concerned about our fate, why don't they contact the people who have the power to do something? Well, I really wish you'd read my book before you interviewed me because I answer these questions. Suzanne, understand, though, that... We have tens or hundreds of thousands of listeners out there who have not read your book, okay? We're asking questions on their behalf. They haven't read your book. And so it's important for you to answer the questions so they understand what's going on. If they're interested in the book, you'll have plenty of opportunity to promote it, and they'll buy that book, and maybe this will entice them. But just to say it's in the book doesn't help for the people who haven't read it. They want to know, and I want to know. So the question is, you know, why are the people in charge or politicians not contacted rather than the man in the street? Well, I think there's a lot of, a lot of reasons for that. One being that people in positions of power at the moment have a lot of um, associations politically or religiously or whatever that they, their hands are very much tied in terms of changing things globally. I think that the groundswell has to come from the man in the street, people power. So um, I think that change has to happen from within the man in the street, which is why I think that so many people are taken on board um, craft in terms of these programs that I outline, where people are educated and prepared for all sorts of eventualities. But also I think that I describe um, three specific groups of souls that incarnated on the planet over the last decades, last hundred years or so. And I think each of those groups has a specific job to do on the planet. And many people are becoming aware of that. Many experiencers are saying, I know there's something specific I have to do. I'm not sure what it is, but I know that it's going to happen and I'm ready to do that. I have this feeling it's coming. I hear this all the time from experiencers worldwide. So there's this waking up of consciousness that is happening right across the board. I think that the last group that I describe in my book, what I call the third wave of souls who are incarnated on the planet, I think they are the ones who are going to make the most changes in society because most of them are around about in their 30s now, getting to their late 30s. And many of them are in positions of power and responsibility or influence in a positive sense. 
so they have positions where they can make the essential changes that need to take place in the medical field, in education, in ecology, in the environment, right across the board of what makes our society tick. And this is really what what we've been leading up to, I believe, with the whole contact scenario and hundreds of people being involved in this, if not thousands or millions. So they are educating the next generation. Yes, they're educating um, a portion of the next generation at least. This sounds very similar to what our previous guest, Preston Dennett, was saying about creating what he called a grassroots movement amongst the people as opposed to landing on the White House lawn. Yes, I think that there's the grassroots concept is, is right. In the, one of the latter chapters in my book, I described being on a craft, um, this was about 10 years ago, actually lecturing to a group of humans on the craft earth changes and about uh, responsibilities and what would be the meaningful things for them to do in their societies at that time. This involved the process of them agreeing to have what what many experiencers call a little package of knowledge put in their subconscious that would open up at the time, that would be triggered at the time, and they would have this valuable information that would assist them. Just recently, when I was speaking in the States in Oregon, I actually had a lady come up to me and say, I'd like to tell you about um, a a memory I've had, which I believe was contact and and a strange thing that was happening. And she pretty much described being in the same situation I've just described, only she was uh, one of the human beings being lectured to by a human. Uh, about these things and she was able to virtually describe exactly the kind of situation that I know has been happening on board craft. Have you ever met anyone else on these craft that you could later contact? Uh, Yes, I have met people that I, I believe I've been on craft with. This happened when I was speaking in Norway last year. I met a gentleman there uh, from Sweden, who we had an instant recognition of each other, instant feeling like we knew each other really well, and we've continued to be good friends. But I also know a lady here in New Zealand who rang me one morning. She was just heading off to the airport to fly to the Middle East, and she said to me, we were both on a craft last night, and you will have a circular bruise with needle marks on it somewhere on your body where you wouldn't think to look. And later that day, I was getting changed to go to a function with my husband. He said to me, what's that on the back of your leg? And high up on the back of my leg where I wouldn't be able to see it um, was exactly what she had described, which we photographed, was a circular bruise with um, needle marks around it in circles, concentric circles, exactly as this lady had described. I'll tell you what, let's break it here and then we'll have more with... Suzanne, Jean, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. 
So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today and save $10 on the Bug Beam Laser Combo only at BugAssault.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. George Herbert Walker Bush, the 41st President of the United States, has died. He passed away late Friday night in Houston. His five children, former President George W. Bush, and his siblings, Jeb, Neil, Dorothy, and Marvin, said their father was a man of the highest character and the best dad a son or daughter could ask for. The family said they're grateful for condolences coming in from all over the globe. George H.W. Bush was the nation's last World War II president, and he spoke often about his motivation for public service. There is a higher purpose to life beyond oneself. I speak of family, of community, of ideals. I speak of duty, honor, country. George Herbert Walker Bush, dead at age 94. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Deagle, MD of Nutramedical.com, announcing the breakthrough Red Deer Velvet DR. It delivers the protected building blocks of all organs and tissues allowing your own stem cells as architects and engineers to regenerate you. Not since fetal life, when aging does not occur, has such an amazing Nutramed been available to help heal you and regenerate you. Anti-aging requires that you correct mineral, activate nutraceutical, and jump the gene defects and poor diet you have to deliver the cellular tools for regeneration. You must remove old damaged cells and replace them with your young healthy cells to wind the biological clock to a younger you. Order your Red Deer Velvet DR now at Nutramedical.com 24-7 or 888-212-8871. That's Nutramedical, N-U-T-R-I, medical, M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com, or call our order line, 888-212-8871. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
again, it's still, I'm still kind of confused or concerned about this. And I realize, yes, it's in the book. And I hope that our listeners will get more information here. We've had these messages from higher beings for a very long time. It's not recent. It's not this year. It's not last year. It's not when you were young. It was way before that. Generations of people are getting these messages somehow, not just from being taken aboard craft, but by channeling and other methods of supposed interaction. So why isn't anything being done? It seems like it's taking an awful long time. That's what I'm concerned about here. I understand the grassroots approach that future leaders will do the right thing. But how many generations does ET have to take to get something done? Well, really, that's up to us, isn't it? I mean, um, if we've been having, as you said, um, gurus and channelers and all kinds of people for centuries giving messages about how we need to clean up our act and be more spiritual, etc., um, then, yes, we've only got ourselves to blame if we haven't done it. But as I said, it's, um, it's getting a little bit more dire straits now in terms of what's happening on our planet uh, with climate. But not only that, um, what I talk about in my technology speech is the, the lack of spirituality that goes with our development of our technology. We are on the verge of really going very, very fast with very new and different technology. It's just changing every day. And with with that technology comes responsibility because, as you know, a lot of our technology is swallowed up by militaries worldwide who, who use it to harm um, mankind. And we have the same thing happening, I guess, in the medical field. Not all medical things are wonderful, some of them harm us, and some are, are used for monetary gain so, or power worldwide. Technology can be used for a variety of reasons, and I think the ETs are very concerned that we're thinking about going out into space a lot more. We're re-establishing um, that kind of arena worldwide, and therefore until we clean up our own planet and understand this responsibility and the spiritual aspect that must go hand in hand with the development of advanced technology, then we become a danger to ourselves and to other people. Not only that, our technology is on the verge of becoming very conscious. So there's a lot of talk about AI and we're in the beginning stages of developing technology that relies on consciousness and telepathy. And if that is to happen, once again, we have a whole new set of ethics that must be looked at whole new set of ground rules and global agreements on how this is to be used so that we are not, again, harming each other or that it does not take us over and, and destroy us. You know, when you were talking about that, I think of the ads we run here in the States. Don't know if the drug companies do it there. Don't know. I don't know the impact of Big Pharma in New Zealand. My late brother was a member of Big Pharma, so I kind of understand this. Where they announced this medication, useful for, I don't know, being manic depressive, useful for diabetes, whatever it is, they come with a list of all the things that can happen. You can get cancer, you could die, and they have this cheerful individual taking the medication, interacting with their family and smiling, and this relaxing music, and somebody saying, conditions may include your jaw turning red or whatever it is. Horrible things, horrible consequences. That's, that's what I was thinking about. 
Yes, that's right. Um, there are horrible consequences from a lot of our technology already, but I can imagine it could get a lot worse when we when we start using the consciousness telepathy side of things, where we can activate things with our mind, and um, and or the technology might rely upon us using a part of our consciousness. So there's a lot to be sorted out before this can become mainstream, and and the man in the street can uh, utilize this technology and i think um, the ethical boundaries are very and spiritual boundaries on this new technology are very important so do you have any idea or has this been conveyed to you at one point where this attitude this technology will take over or begin to take over no it hasn't been indicated to me but you know i think we can all see that this technology is going ahead in leaps and bounds um, just just the other week in New Zealand here, um, the Weta Workshop, which is the workshop that does a lot of the special effects for the Peter Jackson movies like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, etc., um, they've developed a new kind of um, uh, virtual reality called mixed reality. And basically what they were describing was some technology that I observed and used um, decades ago on a craft. And this has a lot of implications um, for entertainment, for education, et cetera, but it could also equally have implications in another negative direction. So although these things are being announced and, and are fantastic developments, uh, I think we have to take great care with them. A lot of this sounds then like they're not all that far advanced from us, maybe only a few decades. I would agree with that in some respect, and Dr. Schild and I have, discover, have discussed that at length. I don't think they're too far ahead of us, but the biggest difference is that um, they have the ability to make their technology sentient or organic or conscious, and that we are on the verge of that. And that's why one of the things I think they're worried about at this point in time on the planet is that we're right on the verge of that. And it's very important that we take it in the right direction um, so that it's a constructive and productive technology rather than the opposite. Let me ask you one thing, which is really a left field devil's advocate question here, Suzanne. We have this wonderful message conveyed by ET. The question I have here is why believe them? Why believe which message? Why believe that these higher beings are here to help us with peace and brotherhood. Why believe them? We don't know who they are. How can they prove to you that they are what they claim to be? Because they say it, because they have advanced technology, because they have magic? Well, I think that um, most experiences um, and, and some research has been done into this. To show, but Kathleen Martin, for example, from MUFON has researched this, that most um, experiences, if they're asked, could we, you know, if we could take away these experiences from your life, would you be happy with that? And most of them say no. That um, m most experiences uh, who who are asked if we could take these experiences away from you, would you be happy with that? Um, you know, like if other people say to them, well, if you could not have this in your life, would you be happier? And many experiencers say no, they they would not want it taken away. They if they had their choice of life again, they would they would want to be experiencing this and doing this. But that doesn't prove where they come from. It just proves that the message 
is acceptable or the experience is pleasing to them? No, what I was about to say was that many of those experiences have had um, experiences since early childhood. And if you look back at your life, um, if these, if the guys that uh, are doing positive things, if they were in fact bad, then surely we would be seeing some evidence of, of it over the decades of people's lives. But I mean, I mean, I talk to people who are in the 70s and 80s who've had experiences and and they've been very positive. This doesn't mean to say, of course, that all of the possible ETs visiting our planet are, are positive because there's just as many people who say, look, um, I've had bad experiences with this particular species or that one. So we really can't answer a question like that yet. We can only go on our individual experiences and what we deem to be trust or, or lack of trust. And this is why it is very important to hear about all kinds of experiences right across the board, not just positive ones, but ones where people have experienced things that are not so good either. Don't think that quite answers my question, which is more about not that the message is positive, but whether there is any reason to believe that these individuals have good intentions. Suzanne, Gina, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. 
Anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280 now. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so we're talking once again on the Paracast with Suzanne Hansen. She's an experiencer, author of a book about those experiences. And you mentioned here that some of those experiences are negative in some ways. Can you tell us how? Well, some people, um, many abductees report negative experiences. Some of them don't. It would appear, and this is just a a theory that is out there in the contact field, that there are different species of greys, for example, that have different agendas. There are different species of reptilians because some people report positive experiences with them and some don't. Um, and there are, you know, people speaking publicly about the, the whole spectrum of experiences. So I think it's very important that we listen to and hear the, the full spectrum of experiences so we can better understand what is going on. But many experiencers feel that their contacts have been life-enhancing and, and transformative and that they, they wouldn't swap them if they were given a chance of a life without them, they they would choose not to have that life without them. So I think that each experiencer must speak from their own heart about whether or not these experiences have, have helped them or enhanced their life or not. So how do we tell whether they're good or bad? Well, I guess that's up to the individual. And I think that in the future, if open contact happens and they start contacting governments or groups of people around the world are showing themselves openly in our skies 
these are the conversations that will have to happen and we will have to proceed with, with care and caution because clearly there are a whole variety of species visiting if we listen to the narratives of, of the many people who've met them. I'll tell you, the earth must be very popular. You know, there are religious people, and I know something about my late uncle, Lewis Kaplan, for example, who believed that all UFOs were demonic and that you had to use the Lord's Prayer to dispel them. Yes, uh, sorry, is that a question? I want basically a comment. Is that something you've heard? I mean, I've been subjected to that kind of uh, assertion myself, um, but you can't convince someone of something they haven't experienced. But on the other hand, you know, you've pointed out that scenario, but I could point out um, vicars from around, uh, church people from around the world who communicate with me and um, and run things past me because they're having parishioners talk about their experiences to them. And so that attitude towards um, deliverance teams that work in, for example, the Church of England, they're taking on a very different um, aspect towards this now. And I know worldwide of, of uh, church people who go to UFO conferences to learn more about the subject so that they can better understand what their parishioners are describing. So I think that there are changes taking place worldwide in that arena. In your contact experiences, do the aliens themselves ever talk about religion and our beliefs or their beliefs? No. Um, some experiences and abductees report that that has happened with them, but I have never had um, any experience where they've talked about God or our religious beliefs. It all adds up to uh, an interest by them, by, by the sounds of it, in our whole socio-political environment here on Earth. And the topics that you talk about that they're concerned with, we are also concerned with it. People who work in AI are concerned with the ethical problems as well. It's not like they're oblivious to them. So why are they telling us stuff we already know? It's not like we don't know that a-bombs are dangerous and or that climate change can affect the planet we've got our own scientists who've already got that figured out we've got ethicists who already look at all of these problems why do we need the aliens to tell us any of this well i think um they're not telling us they're telling some people who go on board the craft they're expressing their concern to those people but yes we have um professionals right across the board who are telling us these things but um, if you look at the mass of society, how what proportion of that mass of society are actually doing something about it on a daily basis? And I think that we there are other aspects to our activities on the planet that we don't yet understand that they do, that the ETs do, and that they have concerns about. And in one of the chapters in my book, I write about a gal what I call a galaxy screen, where I was taken into a virtual reality room. And I was shown uh, virtual reality displays of different parts of the galaxy. And uh, the ET said he wanted to show me something that might give me uh, some uh, real commitment to the subject in the future. And I was only in my 30s at this stage. Um, I'm now in my 60s. And he showed me a hologram of the planet um, at the time when the Hiroshima bomb, bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. So the room was filled with a very large holographic earth and then you saw the explosion in, in terms of a, 
a vibrational coloured display in this technology and he kept making the hologram of the planet smaller and smaller and smaller but you could see the shockwave going out from that explosion was going right out into the solar system and beyond and becoming more unstable as it went out. Now, we now can take uh, photographs from satellites of rockets, etc., and we can see the huge shockwave created by those rockets. So um, if we imagine, can imagine a huge shockwave created by an atomic bomb exploding, uh, it's much more profound. So their concerns are that we don't yet understand the energies that we live in and that we deal with and that we create every day and the impact of those energies are not only on us, but on other society, our society and those beyond. And that's one of their major concerns is that they're coming in at a time when we are discovering and exploring these things and they're hoping to influence us from within by educating people so that we move things in the right direction. It's all very well to have professionals and who can tell us about all these problems, but uh, until the general man in the street takes action, we're fighting a losing battle. Is there a timetable that you're aware of when this will all come to pass? People will be aware that we've got to make a great movement to stop the wrong direction in which our planet is going, because it's certainly getting pretty late. In the 80s, I had um, three experiences where I was part of a very large group of people, around 250 people who were in an underground base and an undersea base. We were taken there. My friend Robert Salas talks about this in some of his speeches. He talks about being taken to bases similar. We were told about things to watch for in the future. So we're talking about a timeline of sorts, but not a defined end, because that end depends on how much action, how soon that end might come, that point might come where change takes place, depends on what we do in the interim. So they talked about a very fluid or flexible timeline, but they did caution us to watch for certain things. And one of them was that there would be huge amounts of people on the move planetary-wise who had nowhere to go spiritually, physically, you know, geographically, you name it. And in 2015, when I spoke in the UK and Scandinavia, so those signs are appearing now um, as far as I'm concerned, and so we um, are nearing a tipping point, I think. Suzanne, if someone wants more information about what you do and to get a copy of your book, where do they go? Uh, they can go to www.communicatorlink.com or they can visit my our citing website, which is www.ufocusnz.org.nz and my book is available on Amazon. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. You can find us on Facebook, two official Paracast fan clubs. We've kind of been, as they say, low-key in our activities on Facebook with all the security things that are going on there. We don't want to take our chances. We have a second radio show after the Paracast, which can be a wrap-up show. It could be extended interviews. It could be part two of the main interview. We've done that with a number of guests. It's included if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. You also get a version of this show free of the network ads. The people on YouTube who say too many ads, that's the way to avoid them. Subscribe to the Paracast Plus. A dollar forty-nine a week, four ninety-nine a month. We give free stuff for five-year 
and lifetime subscriptions. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com for more info. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us on The Paracast. You're welcome. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. 